Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and I have with me an old friend, actually uh, the person who I first ever had a gaming podcast with, my friend Jocelyn, um, who is, uh, you may have seen her name in, in many things recently, and we'll be talking about the, uh, among other things, the right walkout and uh, all sorts of stuff. But first off, Jocelyn, thank you for coming on. It's really good to talk to you again. Uh, it's been a while since you got your great uh, new job, your flashy job outside of the academy and all that stuff. It's like a long, <laughs> a long old nightmare, uh, that, that old academic life. Yeah, make sure you uh, make sure you play a clip from the last time I was on this podcast. And I was like, yeah, life at Riot. It's interesting, but it's good. I have fun. Make sure you <laughs> like just like edit that in. I will. I will edit it <laughs> just, in. Just and, to recap. Yeah, and, and I'll be like, this is this is uh, what Jocelyn said today. Um, this is her active <laughs> <laughs> So for people who don't know, which I mean at this point, um, if you're into gaming and you uh, keep up with the news, uh, you probably do. But um, for people who don't, uh, what is uh, just uh, – can you describe generally what – is happening at Riot right now? Yeah. So um, there is the question of what is immediately happening at Riot and then the question of what happened at Riot over the past year. So I'll talk about what happened over the past year and how it led up to what's happening in the immediate moment. Is that cool? Yeah, and thank you for that because I I was reading about this, uh, I mean, just in general, but then also prepping for this podcast. And it took me a long time because I'm uh, very stupid to realize what uh, forced, forced arbitration is. Um, it just like, I, I was, I like, it was just like basically reading French and I was like, well, what am I, what is the problem? Like, I don't, I know this is a problem and I, I know who I support, but I'm not sure what to make of all of this. So like, I think probably there are a lot of people who have read, say the waypoint article, um, or I guess the vice article now, uh, and, and taken, okay. Like been like, okay, this means this is about, uh, employees wanting something, but it's sort of unclear and there's a lot of history there. So that would be super helpful. Yeah. The good news is I am now an expert at explaining forced arbitration because (laughs) let me tell you three weeks ago, I could not have explained it. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
Okay, so uh, we'll start. We'll start with uh, the the big general history, um, and I think we uh, we touched on this briefly last time I was I was on, but mostly we talked about how depressed I am, and you are, um, yeah. which is that was, a, that was an all time banger of an episode. Every I yeah, got it was so great. many good comments on that episode. So never apologize Oof. for having an episode about how depressed you are. Everyone's like, that's how I feel when I video games i, I gotta really tell strange. you it's like an infinite resource that we can draw on for the rest <laughs> of your podcast so if you ever have like a spot and you're oh. like you know what works well people talking about how sad they are you can just call your old can friend just, jocelyn okay can we just do a depression cast real quick jocelyn i'll be like you call me and i'll be like man i can't really get out of bed today i feel like ass and you'll be like yeah me neither okay so we could do a sort of like bed podcast where we're both too <laughs> sad to move that's a, and that's just like a, like, that's a new genre of podcast right there. That's like, it's time has come. And you thought they'd all been invented. <laughs> <laughs> so before you, all right, all right. We're, we're on a clock because you have been uh, put through the ringer in these past couple of days. Uh, and, and we still don't know why we're pretending no one knows why, but go ahead. So start, start at the beginning. Yes. Sorry. Okay. So in the beginning, of oh, August, you an apology, but thanks for apologizing. <laughs> August 2018, the beginning. Okay. So, okay. So, um, at the most recent thing, this was really funny. So Nathan Grayson was there from Kotaku and, uh, and, and all of these people got up at the walkout, which is what happened yesterday. And, uh, they were like, man, before the Kotaku article came out, blah, blah, blah. And then after Kotaku, blah, blah, blah. And like eight people did that in a row. And I, and I texted Nathan Grayson and I was like, how does it feel that time at riot is measured before? Kotaku and after Kotaku because that's how it feels because last August um, uh, an article was published in Kotaku um, by Cecilia D'Anastasio I don't know how to pronounce her name sorry Cecilia Um, and uh, it was an expose about the history of sexism at Riot and um, how endemic it is to the culture and a lot of it was unsurprising to some people but very surprising to many people because when you live in a culture of like just like uh broiness um which was one of the biggest problems and is one of the biggest problems um it's easy to not see it if you're one of the bros right and it just so happens that you know like a lot of people at Riot are one of the bros. Um, so all of the people who weren't the bros suddenly became visible and were like, hey, it sucks here. And the bros were like, oh, fuck. Um, so that's that's a short summary, uh, which is which is like really minimizing like how bad it was. So the Kotaku article came out and it turned out that there were some re- there were some people in leadership at Riot who are still in leadership at Riot who had behaved really badly to women um, and other, other minorities. It turned out that... Um, you know, like there were uh, uneven promotions, there was pay inequity, there was like all of the things that everyone in the games industry knows happens at most companies, but no one ever openly acknowledges, right? So, right, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like Riot was like the the, the powder keg. Um, so, uh, so then what happened was after the initial article was published, a whole bunch of former and current Riot employees went out and posted, hey, this happened to me too. And all of these, like, you can look it up. Um, a really, a really, really tough one to read is one by Barry Hawkins, um, who was a dev manager early on at Riot. And he saw some really gnarly stuff from some people really high up. Oh, wow. And um, so there was this, so, so the first phase was like this moment of 
almost like a confessional um, where this article came out and then all of these people were like, here is my experience too. And then there was like a thing where some people were like, I feel so bad. I don't know what to do with this information. I'm so sorry to the women and minorities I might've offended. And it was like a really emotional time. Mm -hmm, Um, So I had had to deal with this, right? So they did a couple of things. They hired Francis Fry who um, helped Uber get their shit together um after the sexism came out there um and they also that was, that was met with skepticism right like I, I remember that was like a lot of like the, the the concern there if i'm remembering correctly please correct me if i'm wrong the concern there was something like well this is basically this is message uh message control not actually sort of like a a, a serious proactive approach Yeah, I mean, this is the debate, right? So all of the things they did come under this umbrella. So like they hired Francis Fry, who I think has actually been pretty impactful. Um, Whether you agree in the ways that with the way she did it or not is is kind of your your deal. Um, They also hired an external law firm um, called Safarth and Shaw. Um, who have like kind of a reputation for being union busters, which got Mm. some internal questions going. Um, And those folks took over a bunch of internal investigations that had either not been handled or had been, um, some people thought had been mishandled. And they Mm. went in and they made pretty aggressive recommendations about like what should happen to some of the folks who were investigated. So they kind of picked up the slack where the internal investigation process had failed or um, gone awry. Um, They also, with Francis Fry, implemented a bunch of uh, mandatory anti-discrimination and um, anti-harassment trainings and like sensitivity trainings, um, which were sort of like, Again, like some people thought they were good. Other people were like, well, that told me everything I already know. And it didn't really help me feel more secure. So it's like, like anything else with like the corporate thing, it's a mixed bag. Um, More recently, what they did was they hired two people. Um, So one of those is uh, Emily Winkle. She's like our new chief people officer. And the other is Angela Roseborough, who is our chief diversity officer. So Angela, um, previously the diversity team at Riot had... um, they were able to make recommendations, but they didn't have a lot of top-down pressure, basically. Um, and Angela kind of took over to become like the the voice in leadership that they didn't have before. So Riot actually took a bunch of concrete steps. Um, we also like with Francis, like we revised our company values to not say fucking like um, dumb shit, basically. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's the best. Noble. We posted the new ones <laughs> online, so this is public knowledge. Um, and uh, so, um, okay, so that's kind of what's happened over the past year at a, at a company level. Um, at an individual level, um, like I said, there was like this really big confessional moment and then things got pretty feisty and then like a bunch of leaks happened where people posted like Slack logs from our diversity discussions and wow. it was like, it's been, yeah, it's been like really painful, right? Um, so people are feeling burnt out. People are feeling frustrated. People are specifically feeling frustrated because someone will leak something to Kotaku and then we'll read about it in Kotaku before we hear about it internally, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the perennial frustrations. So, Well, it seems like a real problem because, of course, like yep. if you are trying to create a series of or like a level of accountability at the company, then uh, having sort of like an external media source that reports on that progress is like, I can see how that could help, but also I can see why it would be really, really bad. It's a double-edged sword, right? Because none of the things that are changing changed until there was a giant media expose. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
when the entire process then gets documented under scrutiny by the media, it feels like you constantly have a magnifying glass on you and it can be really frustrating. Riot is held to, and I mean, I'm not just saying this because, because you're here, riot is held to like an extremely profoundly unfair standard in, in the games industry, just because like, it, you know, not to say that Riot did did good, like Riot Riot did bad, like Riot had had problems, but like, you know, to say like, oh, it's it's Riot, like of course this is, this is just what it is. It's super toxic, and as if there are no other toxic game studios is yeah. And meanwhile, you know, Activ- right. Activision Blizzard is firing ten percent of their workforce or whatever the fuck, right? right. Like, exactly. Yeah. And 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 I I do think it's unfair. And and just to be clear, like I wouldn't still be a riot if I thought it was a lost cause. Like I am, I love riot, and I love like what it can be, and I love the people there. Um, and like I wouldn't have done the shit that I've done this week if that weren't true. I hope is obvious. I mean, you don't love um, League though. I I love League of Legends. I truly am joking because uh, Jocelyn Jocelyn is is very very like clearly in love with League and will talk to me about it. Like <sighs> it's, it's one of those things that it, truly no, it's like one of those things where it, when someone is really like when someone has and it's a MOBA, so you know MOBAs are built to have, make love hate relationships when you're doing well and when you're not doing well. But like when I talk to you about League or I talk to like it's like when I talk to someone about any MOBA and they're really into it, it's kind of like it makes me jealous and want to get into it and I just don't have the brain for it. But uh but no, you clearly like League. Yes, I do. Um wait, well, I had one other thing to say about the larger landscape at Riot to set up the the story. Wait. Okay. So one of the things that came out in the media that people were upset about was that people were suing Riot. So I think there are currently five active lawsuits against Riot. And the first big one that was reported on um, was by a person who current it was it was in conjunction of a former and current employee. And okay. um, it named some pretty high up people. Um it's on Kotaku. You can find it. Um, I'm not going to talk about the specifics, but it's pretty gnarly. Um, and people were like, what the fuck? Like, first, why am I hearing about this lawsuit on fucking Kotaku? And second, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Riot? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and, and, and leadership's response was, we can't discuss anything in active litigation and we can't discuss sp- specific cases. And they sort of said that over and over and over again, which didn't really help like the trust building they're kind of like trying to do. Um, and obviously their hands are tied legally, but it, it really didn't like make a positive impact on the situation. Right. Yeah. So, I was going to ask, like legally speaking, they kind of are correct that they can't speak on things in active litigation. Right. Like that is actually like a fairly standard response or am I, or am I off? Um, I don't know the specifics, but I think it's not an uncommon response. I okay, don't know okay. what exactly the restrictions are. I'm not a fucking okay. lawyer. Thank God. Ah, well, please get off the show. <laughs> you told me right. you were, a, you told me you got your baby. Um, <laughs> So, um, okay. So now we, we have, we have the stage set, right? So we have a bunch of people who work at Riot, um, some of whom I won't say many, but some of whom are women and minorities. Um, and many of whom, including some women and minorities are super duper feeling, um, frustrated with Riot, frustrated with media scrutiny, 
frustrated with um, the pace at which change is happening, frustrated that leadership is not communicating things. So, so there's just like a lot of tense uh, tension. There's a lot of tension between um, kind of like rank and file workers and the leadership, despite the fact that this is one of your classic like Silicon Valley culty, like we're all rioters, we're in it together places. So they've basically sold this message that we're all in it together. But now we're in a situation where we can't all be in it together. Right. Right. And actually, it, it, it's interesting you say that because the the language Riot's been using about the the walkout and um, arbitration, which we will discuss, um, yep. I, I, and you will discuss. I have nothing to, in, intelligent to say about it. Um, but, you know, like the language that's been used, which is like, well, you know, we really want every rioter to, you know, et cetera. Like the way they sort of talk about it, it does it does feel as if like they're they're kind of banking on a level of inclusion that I won't say it doesn't exist, but like it, it clearly disregards the, the stakes of the current conversation. Right. So like for a long time, the thing at riot that you would say is default to trust. So Mm -hmm. the way that this was mobilized in a productive way is you're like, well, I really want to go pitch a product to this person, but I feel like they might not believe me. I feel like they might not trust me, like blah, 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 blah. I feel like I heard this one thing and I think that it that it might mean they don't like it. And your manager is like, hey man, default to trust. Like go in there, believe in yourself, believe that that person wants to make the best shit for players that they can just like you and own it. And you're like, all right, I'm defaulting to trust, right? Okay, yeah. Here, here's the other like the that. other scenario. The other scenario. You go uh-huh. to your manager and you're like, okay, I just had this meeting with the senior leader and I really don't know what to do because he said some things that made me feel really uncomfortable and I feel like they were borderline sexual and I just don't know what to do. And your manager says, listen, default to trust. There was nothing wrong. He didn't mean it. If it came off wrong, it's totally fine. Like, just believe that he had your best intentions in mind. That is a hypothetical example. But those are the two ways the default to trust can be mobilized, among others. So um, the reason – so so one of the things that came about when we rebranded everything in the company was everybody was like, stop fucking saying default to trust because you don't have our trust. Like, you Mm -hmm. lost our trust. Like, guess what? You're keeping uh, accused predators in positions of high power. You lost our trust, Right. Um, And I think that particular message, maybe the impact of it has not sunk in or it has and they don't understand what it means. But the discourse around trust is very, very active at Riot and it is super meaningful and it is maybe the biggest like gap right now that I see because that kind of like, like precisely what you're talking about is banking on trust that used to be there that is not anymore. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of like if you're measuring, so to, to put it away, you, you were talking about before, like if rioters themselves or the employees at Riot uh, are um, thinking about time as pre-Kotaku and post-Kotaku, management is not. Management is sort of seeing it as a continuum, as something that can be like, um, I don't know, like the way you're describing it, it sounds like it's less about, okay, this is what happened before and this is what we have to contend with and more like, well, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, this is riot. Like it's, it's, it's it, it, same as it always was. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure. That's what they're thinking, but I think that I, I think they know that it's different, but I don't think, I don't think they understand that in a way that lets them anticipate some of the missteps they could make. 
Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is which is how we got to yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's so my segue. You like it? <laughs> I love it. I okay. love it. So yesterday <laughs> there, was, there was a walkout. Yes. Um, and it was it was widely covered in in the press. Uh, I, I feel like I, I you know not the I would say like video game labor uh, labor actions are generally well covered in gaming press these days. Like I, especially a uh, press again post that Kotaku article um, where yeah. people are are kind of interested in in thinking about um, thinking about labor and thinking about the ways in which uh, you know whatever uh you've said it all much more eloquently than i'm going to but um the you know like it was extremely well covered and uh i don't necessarily know if the reasons for it were clear uh to everyone we've touched on this before but it is like it seems to be a very massive and like i don't know resonating event yeah um so i can i can do the the explain like i'm five on forced arbitration thing if you want Please explain like I'm five. I And I any lawyers listening to this podcast, if I'm wrong, please send Trev angry emails and not me. Thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm the five-year-old here, not Joss. Um, and if there's anything that I know as a parent, it's that you should get angry at the five-year-old before you get angry at anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So um, here's what happened. Kotaku, <laughs> again, published an Ooh. article. Uh, announcing, uh, like, I don't know, I don't understand time anymore, like maybe a week and a half or two weeks ago, that mm. um, they that Riot had chosen to enforce the forced arbitration clauses for two employees that were suing them. Um, so that means that there was a clause in those two employees' contracts, and it is in our standard contract um, that says, in if you decide to sue Riot, um, you have to go through a process called arbitration instead of going to court. And this is non-optional. It's just why it's called forced arbitration. Or okay. if you look in media coverage that is a little bit more sympathetic to Riot, they'll call it mandatory arbitration, um, which is a fun mm-hmm. language difference to look at. So Yes. So when you say uh, court, do you, mean, do you mean civil court or criminal court or both? So civil court. Um, so okay. criminal court is not like bound by arbitration, right? Like you can't okay. say like, sorry, no, you can't arrest me. Um, I signed a contract. Yeah. So this is, this is civil court. This is civil court. So here's the deal. Um, and I'm going to try to be, uh, uh, just to be clear, I am very, very anti-forced arbitration, um, but I'm going to try to explain the positives and negatives that let you do the math to get there. So um Arbitration versus court, right? So if I sue Riot and there is no forced arbitration clause, um, I sue Riot by hiring some lawyers. Um, those lawyers uh, file a motion. They, 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 they go to court and they're like, hey, judge guy, um, we're going to sue Riot. That means that we need to subpoena these witnesses. That means that we need this evidence from their like internal servers. Um, and they go through a process called discovery. Um, so that means that both sides collect a bunch of evidence and share it with each other for the most part. Um, okay. And then um, you go through a process usually called mediation 
And the mediation is basically a game of uh, chicken where one of you is like, you know, I really think you should give us this much because that's how much a court gave these other guys. And it could be more than that. And then the other side goes, well, you really don't have any good witnesses. And then the other side's like, no, we don't have good witnesses, but we have this email. And so you kind of like put your cards on the table one at a time sure. and, and try to get to an amount. And this is like when it's called settling out of court, right? And no one, and yeah, people don't want to go to court in this situation, right? Like, yeah, because going to, by the way, this whole thing is really, really long and um, arduous and can take a really long time. So I was part of a lawsuit um, with the ACLU against the city of Pittsburgh, and it took, I think, two or three years for the whole thing to happen. And that was, we settled out of court. So mm, right. um, one thing about going to court is that it takes a really long time. Um, and it can be really expensive because the lawyers, can, like lawyer fees are insane and it can get dragged out for a really long time, especially in discovery um, and through this mediation process. Anyway, so if, the, if you can't come to an agreement in mediation, you go to trial um, and you present the evidence and it's like any trial that you've seen. Um, and uh there is a judgment handed down um, either mm. by a jury or by the judge, depending on what kind of trial it is. And that, um, that will mean that let's say like you sue riot, uh, the jury will say how much you get in damages. Right. Um, right. So depending okay. on where you are in the United States, it can be, you can assume that the jury is going to give you a lot of money or probably not a lot. So where I'm from in rural Pennsylvania, if you sue a cop for kicking you, uh, you're not going to get diddly swat in a court. So you want to try to settle um, right. in California. If you sue a cop for kicking you, you want to take that shit to a jury. Right. So yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. So, so other things that can happen besides damages include things like mandating that a company change their HR policy. Um, okay. And the other thing about going to court is um, you can start something called a class action lawsuit, which you might've heard of. Um, and have, what, yes. that, yeah, what that means is um, the, the lawyers, this is, where the lawyers are probably going to get really mad at me because I'm very fuzzy on this. Basically you establish a class in the lawsuit and you say, Hey, we're going to get this class certified as part of this lawsuit. What that means is anyone who fits the criteria of this class can sign onto it and be part of it. So the, the, the version of this you might be familiar with is when you get an email that's like, Hey, so-and-so class action lawsuit against Apple, you qualify for it. And then you get like a dollar 35 in the mail if you sign up. Right. That is the kind. Yeah. I think I, I think I once got like $3 in a class action lawsuit. Right. Right. So there is also like the kind where it's like, Hey, um, so the class that was, is, is attempting to be established in the lawsuit that's being reported that was originally reported on by Kotaku is any woman, I think who lives in California who works or ever has worked at riot and suffered harassment or discrimination. Okay. Um, which I mean, like at least four p women have worked at Riot, so it's probably some money. Um, but uh, that seems like seems like a fairly reasonable <laughs> class, given yeah. what has been reported. Right. Okay. So that is that is the summary <laughs> of court world. All of it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it totally makes okay. sense. I get cool. court now. I, okay. Which, actually, I, right. I, I, that sounds sarcastic, but this was something that confounded me. Where it was like, oh, you can't go to court, and I was like, what? What? Like what? What does that mean? What does it mean? Like you can't go to court. I'm getting really confused. So it helps to know what exactly court entails in this case. 
we're all lawyers now. Oh, the, the other thing that I should say about going to court is if it's a jury trial, um, again, depending on where you are a and who you are and what kind of person you are, a jury of your peers can like either be good or really bad. Like if you are a black trans woman in rural Pennsylvania, try not to be up against a jury of your peers. Right. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, like I, I am not going to find people woman, who. But, yeah. I don't think they would find people who like you would consider your peers. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so a jury can work for you or against you essentially. And if you are um a woman or a minority, um it can often work against you. Um okay. so, okay. So, we'll swap to arbitration now. So, forced arbitration clause in the co- in the contract means you don't you don't do all of that, right? What that means is instead of going to court, you go to an arbitrator. So um, an arbitrator is a, a third party, usually an ex-judge or like someone like that, like someone with legal experience. Um, and the way that you select the arbitrator, they are supposedly neutral. Um, there is like a pool of arbitrators and you play an elimination game. It's like it's like a champ select. Oh, it's for banning, sure right? almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll be like, no, you can't have that guy. And then the other side will be like, oh, you can't have that guy. And then you knock him out. And then eventually you agree on one of them. Um, And uh, at Riot, I believe the company pays for it. So the company pays the arbitrator. Um, Arbitration is usually magnitudes faster, um, which is one of its benefits. And the reason that it is faster is that whole process of evidence and discovery doesn't exist. So Mm. you go to the arbitrator and you're like, I'm saying this thing happened and here are all of the people I talked to and all of the stuff I need to prove it. And the company is like, you don't need all of that stuff. And the arbitrator says, you don't need all of that stuff. You only need these three things. So there is no subpoenaing. There is no process of discovery. Uh, The arbitrator decides what evidence matters and what they will hear. Is is the implication that also that the the arbitrator generally like, more often than not, we'll side with the company or is it, is it fairly deep? I don't know if you can speak up to that or not. Yeah. So you, you, you can do your own research on this. Um, the general feeling is that they often side with the company. I think I saw one article that said awards are usually two and a half times higher if you go to court. Um, wow. And the feeling is that it's general, the arbitrators are generally more sympathetic to companies for like a number of different reasons. Right. Okay. Um, so, so the evidence is kind of like, uh, minimalized, like it's, it's, it's less of a a process and it's also not documented. So nothing that happens in arbitration is documented. Whereas if you went to court, Hmm. remember, um, every single witness you called every piece of evidence would be recorded and in the public record, none of it is in this case. Um, Wow. Okay. Yep. That's wild. Yep. So, um, then the arbitrator, uh, decides um, who is right and who is dead and uh, <laughs> <laughs> how much money that one of them should get. And um, it's usually, like I said, much quicker. And then the case is closed and um, it is not open to appeals. So going back to court, mm. let's say you got a bad result in court that you didn't want. There's an appeal process, right? So like even maybe, in civil court. Yeah. Even in civil court. Okay. So maybe you got a shitty judge. Maybe you got like a juror who was having a bad day. Um, 
or there was like evidence that was presented incorrectly or whatever the fuck, like you can go through an appeal process in arbitration. You can't, um, for the most part, uh, it's binding. So once it has been decided, it has been decided. All of the information that ha- that, that that was collected and distributed inside that arbitration ses- session is private, and no one can look at it. Some so companies. Way, hmm? Oh, go ahead, please. Some companies way, also. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, we've. We we out we out we yeah we we did exactly the bad podcast thing. Um, you actually go ahead. I'm I'm more interested in what you have to say. Okay. Um, some companies also include a confidentiality clause, which is like not only was all of that filed away secretly, you can't talk about any of it. Um, okay. Riot does not have that clause. However, um, in both lawsuits and arbitration. Um, sometimes the final agreement includes a confidentiality clause. Riot just doesn't have a mandatory one. Okay. That's all. So, yeah, no. So, like, in, in the, the place I, I know arbitration from the most is um, is when I used it in, and this isn't uh, this isn't a leading question because I know you've, you've been asked questions about this, um, but uh, the place I've, u- I've seen arbitration used has been in uh, union negotiations when I was in the, the graduate employees uh, organization at UIC when it just became extraordinarily toxic between management and the union for all any number of reasons that are boring to anyone who wasn't there. Um, and we needed an, uh, an arbitrator. And, and actually in that case, the arbitrator basically was just someone who went between the rooms and said like, okay, uh, they said this and then we send it back and then he, they say, okay, they said this. And you know, it's just without any of the name calling. Um, but this sounds different. Like this sounds more like, um, I don't know, like the, the, it sounds like this, the arbitrator in this situation enforced arbitration has like significantly more power. Yeah. So what you're describing sounds more like what a mediator would do. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. like when I was part of this process, a mediator would come in and like ask us questions and then they would go to the other room and ask them questions and then come back with like their information and whatever. So that, that sounds more like mediation. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that I, I don't know why it's called arbitrage instead of mediation. It's, it's probably more like mediation. Maybe I'm getting the name wrong, but, uh, that, or maybe I'm very, explaining very everything incorrectly. Who knows? No, no. I think you, based on my, my slight knowledge of what forced arbitration is, you are explaining it well. Um, yeah. this, this helps actually clarify a lot. Okay. Um, so, so Riot, what has Riot's reaction been to people asking to like basically end forced arbitration? Right. So let's 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 get everybody on the same page. Okay. So so now we know what forced arbitration is. So we understand Wonderful. what I mean when I say so a week and a half ago or so, an article came out on Kotaku, as usual, um, saying that Riot had to <laughs> Riot decided to enforce the forced arbitration clauses for two of the lawsuits that had been filed against them. So that means okay. Two people sued them and they were like, mm, you can't sue us. We're going to arbitration. So um, we found out about this by reading Kotaku and everyone was like, hey, Riot, what the fuck? Um, and a bunch of people were posting um, links because the reason that forced arbitration is even a thing that people know about is that a bunch of tech companies got a bunch of um, kind of flack for it uh, last year. Um, and Google, Uber, and Facebook ended up changing their policies. So the Google lockout okay. from last year was actually because of forced arbitration as well. Um, oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Specifically in cases of uh, s- sexual harassment and discrimination. And okay. um, the reason for that is that if you think about it, um, uh, 
using forced arbitration in cases of harassment and discrimination, uh, it like impacts women and minorities way more because that's who's filing harassment and discrimination suits. Right. Um, yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's also just a, it's a, a moment where you basically have to one-on-one meet with the person who has harassed you. Yeah. Which fucking sucks. Um, I'm not sure exactly exactly what the room setup is. I don't know if you have to be in the same room as them. I don't know what it looks like. Um, but I think that's possible. Yeah. Mm, Okay. That's yeah. That's clearly awful. Yeah. So it sucks. It sucks real bad. So Google, Facebook, and Uber have all changed this, at least in cases of harassment and discrimination. And the Google Hmm. walkout was because of this. Um, and so people were like, wait, all of these tech companies stopped using forced arbitration. Why the fuck are we doing this? Especially because we've had all of these commitments to get better at diversity. Like this seems like a thing we probably shouldn't do. And oh my God, why are we reading it in Kotaku again? Um, Yeah, that is really bad. Yeah. And I think, so this is where we get into like, I think the disconnect between that idea of trust and like what people are expecting and, and stuff, because I think that they, truly didn't realize that this would make people so mad. Um, which so is, why is that? I mean, and, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to be difficult here, but like, why, why wouldn't they realize that? Like, I maybe don't, you don't have the answer to that, but it's very strange. So there was a question asked about it at one point last year and a really okay. unsatisfying answer was given. And I don't think I can share what it was on here, but someone That's brought fine. it up and they were basically like, we're not, Like, that is not our priority right now. And Hmm. um, so it was on the radar as something that people might be concerned about. But I think they I think that they underestimated kind of the powder keg that has been building up with regards to people feeling so frustrated around the discrimination and harassment stuff um, and diversity and inclusion and like all of the two word phrases. Um, So. (laughs) <laughs> what happened was um, people got really upset that they read about this in Kotaku and it was like a dick move. And um, s- there was a document that was described that was distributed. That was like, um, there's going to, we're going to walk out against forced arbitration basically. Um, okay. And yesterday that walkout happened after a fun week long lead up to it. Wow. Yeah. And how, how was the walkout? It was. Um, so in case this isn't obvious, I'm one of the walkout organizers. Um, <laughs> I, I had you on did we because say you that? like to pretend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, did we, we didn't say actually. That? Okay, We cool. didn't say Hi. it. Hi, I'm one of the walkout organizers. <laughs> You'll uh, see Joss's name in, in, the, in the Vice article about it. You can see my name in the Vice article. You can see my name in Kotaku. You can see my name in Salon. You can see it all over the place. Um, Everyone, and we know as a former academic, you just love seeing your name in print. Oh, God, I love it. I'm so Googleable right now. Um, (laughs) The walkout was, so for me, it was, it was really hard. So I've been handling most of our like media and press stuff. So I've spent the last week and a half talking to journalists. um, Okay most of whom have been just super, super understanding and, and kind. Um, and, but, but it still takes a toll. And there was, there was just, I didn't, I was, I didn't know what would happen. Right. Like I, there's always, when you organize something like this, 
you, there's always you always plan for contingencies so you always plan for like what if x happens what if y happens and i was like i went through the alphabet like five times on all the shit that could go wrong um oh yeah and, i mean I'm, I'm sure i'm sure you were super concerned about like well what if i lose my job what if i'm retaliated yeah. against etc cetera, etc cetera. oh i'll get into that in a little bit but oh, but uh um <laughs> but uh what happened was it went as well as it could have um hmm. and so the the kind of schedule was um, we stood up, we identified ourselves as the organizers because we'd been doing this fun like espionage thing where I was like anonymously negotiating with our security guy by email. Um, <laughs> so we so so a couple of us were like, hey, like we're organizers, um, and uh, after that we had some people who agreed to speak, um, and then after that we had an open mic session. And then we were like, well, we'll just have people break up into small groups and talk about their working conditions or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So what happened was we got up, we did the organizer thing. Um, Speakers did really, really well. And then the open mic session lasted like an hour and 15 minutes of the two hours because yeah, the floodgates opened and it was one of the most powerful things that I have ever ever been witness to because there was this this energy there that was so intense and people were just listening like people were listening really hard to everyone who got up and um i cried for probably half of the walkout um until i didn't have anything left to cry and it people got up who had suffered harassment at riot People got up who hadn't, but were learning what other people's experiences were. We had people get up and say that they were on the fence about coming, but once they got there, they were just like so in awe of how brave some of these people were. Um, everybody was so open and so kind to each other. Um, I'm like, I'm like still fucking blown away today by huh. it. Yeah. I mean, that's like. I, just to just to just say it out loud, like the, you know, the the Silicon Valley idea of encouraging, you know, unity with you know X, Y, or Z uh, phrase, it's just amazing to see it actually like come out like that in an organic way, where it, like it must have felt very much like you had an identity as people who worked at the same office in a way that you that probably hadn't felt before. Yeah, I mean, so so, do you want me to read what I what part of what I got up and said? Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Um, so uh, let me. I'll just read these two paragraphs because I think it it uh, speaks to that. So I said, um, <laughs> "Riot is something bigger than just a company. It's us. We're all really lucky to be here. Not because we have an arcade and snacks every day, but because we get to be around each other." Assembled here is one of the biggest groups I've ever seen of brilliant, passionate, driven people. We can do amazing things together when we put our minds to it and when we believe in it. And we have. The company might have designed a culture for us to buy into, but we get to pick and choose which parts of that culture we adapt, meld, and reform. We are the ones who decide what kind of behavior is unacceptable. We are the ones who get to stand up and demand to feel safe and protected at work. We are the ones who control how that culture evolves and the kind of people we want to allow in it. In other words, we are the ones who decide who's a culture fit. Asking to feel Mm. safe does not make you entitled. 
Asking to feel safe should not make you worried you might be punished for it. And asking to feel safe is something we all have the right to do. And I feel like we fucking like felt that we felt it's so fucking weird to be at a place that is like intensely late capitalism. Please buy into my cult bullshit, like player value, rah, rah, rah thing. Um, and realize you do buy into that, but it's not about the fact that like the company has built that for you. It's about the fact that you and all of these people have built these really deep connections. And um, when it, when it came down to it, people were willing to get up in front of everybody and be super vulnerable and super Mm -hmm. open. We had one person stand up and tell us she was quitting in two weeks because um, the internal investigation system had failed her. Afterward, everyone was just hugging each other. It was so fucking wow. intense. Yeah. And and I really felt it. Like, and it and it's so f- like as like <laughs> as like wherever the fuck I am on the political spectrum, like I'm so conflicted by it because like I don't think it's good, right, to buy into company culture. <laughs> I don't think it's good to drink the Kool-Aid, but if it if that process leads us to the point where we care so deeply about each other, then fuck. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, it's, it, but is that like, I mean, this maybe, maybe there's not a good answer to this question, but like, is it, is it really the Kool-Aid or is it that like, that like it feels like you just basically like unlocked this sense of, I don't know. You unlocked this sense of like being is this sense of like, uh, you know, camaraderie that that is much deeper than a than like a company jargon um yeah and that that's actually okay like that seems politically cool to me (laughs) i mean i think it is i think that i but i think like the weird fucking thing is that riot facilitated it right Mm. in all of the ways that it is flawed the thing that it did right the thing that the company did successfully is make this space where people can build that camaraderie right Like the system worked. Um, It worked in ways that are maybe surprising to the company. Um, (laughs) Maybe the company's not thrilled with how the system worked. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's too much. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like one of the things that we have emphasized in all of our messaging is that like, listen, like this movement isn't anti-riot because if we were anti-riot, we would be anti whatever the fuck happened at that walkout. Right. Like for better, for worse, that was fucking riot right there um that was riot in its rawest form um and uh, i just don't know what to make of it like i'm just like puzzled and befuddled today wow Um, yeah so (laughs) i mean do you have any sort of i won't i won't ask you i won't ask you any like because that was that was so sorry i don't know know you're fine (laughs) how dare you this podcast is canceled um god damn it no again (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth and I don't want to actually like step over that. Cause that's such a, that's such a cool story. And like something that I agree with you in saying that, like, it's so different from what anyone I think expects to hear out of like, you know, late capitalism and, and, and all the, all the places we're used to being like, I was at the, I was at a, 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 a street fight show they they had me come by and we we were up on stage talking about our bad jobs and like 
that's something that I, I realized like in that audience, I was like, oh, everyone has bad job stories. This is such a relatable thing. But the idea of like a place where it's like, oh, yeah, I actually like I felt like I really cared about my coworkers is, um, oh, it's really powerful and not in like it's corny because it's I care about my coworkers, but it is also like I just care about these people. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if we're talking about like a classic factory with shitty working conditions where you get mm -hmm. like where you get crunched into the sun, um, right. which I think is the case at some game companies or many game companies. Um, I think what what brings everyone together ultimately, um, if they take this kind of action is anger, um, mm -hmm. predominantly anger and frustration and resentment. Um, yeah. I think at Riot. There is righteous anger. There is justifiable anger. But that is not what pulled everyone together at that walkout. It pulled some of us together. But the overwhelming thing that pulled us together was Riot gave us the space to love each other. Right? Mm, and I sound yeah. fucking corny. And I do not give one single solitary fuck. Like, that you was shouldn't. the most loving place I've ever been in. Um, mm. Everybody just... I don't even know. Like it's, I, it's going to take me so long to understand what the fuck just happened. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I like, and I, I don't want to, I don't want you to have to quantify any of that. Cause I feel like yeah. it's something that, something that is like un, unfair to do uh, when, when you're just like, when you have that kind of experience and you have to like think through it, like, it's just, it's not something to, to have to like be like, well, what does it mean? Like talk to me about what it actually meant. So I wanted to ask you, what what are some of your what are some of the things you hope and you can be as specific or non-specific as you want to be it's it's fine but like what are some of the things you hope comes from this because i know that like i'm sure there are a lot of people who are um i don't know concerned maybe is a little too strong but there are probably people who are looking at this and 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 saying like well that's great there was a walkout um maybe they don't know about the sort of camaraderie uh maybe that's like something they're not really familiar with but they're looking at it and they're saying like, okay, it was labor action. Um, in some ways, so what? Like, what what comes from a labor action? What what comes next? I what what are some of the hopes that you have that this will produce? Like, uh, what? Obviously, it's not not ideal to make it a once and done thing. Um, it produces action or behavior or or whatever. And I'm curious to know what in an ideal world are some of the things you'd like to see it produce. I mean, listen, like one of the things that you have to learn when you get into any kind of organizing of any kind is that it's all about fucking feelings, whether mm -hmm. that's vulnerability or love or frustration um, or anger or sadness, like whatever. You have to figure out how people are feeling and how to direct that feeling into doing something that can make concrete change. And okay. the fact that we had such an, and, and I, and when you're reading the news and I think that people who haven't had any experience, like don't really realize how important that is. Um, like one of the hardest things you have to do organizing is reach out to people, you know, and be like, Hey, how are you feeling? Like, tell mm -hmm. me what's going on with you and then figure out how to take what they're feeling and use it to power something that makes things better for them and everyone else. And um, so in that way, this action has been a, a wild success, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because we got everybody feeling and feeling mm -hmm. very, not everybody, but everybody who came, we got a lot of people feeling and feeling very deeply and feeling like they could 
do that and be around people and be listened to and not be judged. Um, and that is, that is, I, I don't, I can't emphasize enough how hugely powerful that is for any kind of labor action, um, or any kind of organizing in general. Um, but if you don't buy into the touchy feely stuff, um, and you want the cold, hard Marxism, Leninism, um, (laughs) you know, I'm happy to have both. Yeah. Yeah. What we just did is, um, teach a bunch of people who, had been largely isolated that it is okay to talk to each other and be in a big group and um, use that big group to send one single message. And that Mm -hmm. is an extremely powerful lesson to teach in pretty much any situation, because the biggest tool that anyone can use against you is to make you feel alone. Sorry, that's touchy feely again. But if you feel like you're screaming into a void and no one is listening and no one else is screaming with you, that feels like ass. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's one of the ways it's one of the ways that that alienation helps us stay um, to sort of take on a a touchy feely term oppressed. Like there's a there's, you know, being alienated from our labor is one thing. But then also like alienation under late capital is is very emotional. Yeah. And um, more concretely. I would like them to fucking end forced arbitration (laughs) (laughs) in terms of things I would like to happen as a result of this walkout. I would like them to fucking end the practice of forced arbitration. Okay. Well, I I mean, like (laughs) I wish you would have centralized that a bit more. I like the first time you've mentioned forced arbitration. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's um, yeah. I, I can, I can see that. I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, I think I, I, uh, I have our statement memorized. I can say, we are asking Riot Games to end the practice of forced arbitration for past, current, and future employees, including contractors, and including ending its use in active litigation. Okay. I mean, who's going to say no to that? <laughs> Riot. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, can yeah. I ask you, I, I know you are like exhausted and i don't want to i i feel like this oh, is i'm energized now you fucking got me going oh, no one's let me yes. talk about the touchy feely shit yet you got the really? fucking you got the mother load here no fuck no one, you can't quote that in a fucking fucking kotaku article i mean awful. i guess you could yeah you whatever could? no this is why this is why no one wants ah this is why you no, can't I, get my I, cult leader voice on I, the kotaku article i love it i think that's what everyone <laughs> should be asking about uh, <laughs> Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you one more thing, because I don't. I don't want to dilute any of that. It's so cool to me. Um, and no, I, like, no. I'm not just saying that because you're on. I'm just like it is. It's really, really cool to hear that perspective. Like it's, it's, it's energizing for me too. Um, and I'm not. I'm not even a writer. Um, but the, um, the one thing you said that I, I, I really relate to. Um, again, because of my own. Um, and I know this isn't a unionizing effort, but like my own efforts in unionizing um, and particularly sort of like solidarity with the people who were organizing the United faculty at, at UIC. One of the things they did that was incredibly difficult was they, um, they included uh, a non-tenure track uh, effectively the contractors of the academic world um, in their, um, in their demands. Like they, you know, that it was a thing where they said like, we're not just, it's not just the faculty. It's, it's everyone. Um, and I, I admire you including contractors. Um, how, how difficult has it been to, um, 
how difficult has it been to sort of like get that perspective um, seen by the company? I mean, has the company been responsive to including contractors? Has that been a difficult thing to, to get them invested in? I mean, as far as I know, they have never said diddly squat about contractors in response unless it was somewhere I did not see. So okay. I don't know if they have even acknowledged that. But we were very fucking deliberate about including it. And here's yeah. why. Um, s- the biggest barrier that I can see, except for endemic libertarianism in the games <laughs> industry, <laughs> the biggest barrier that I can see in the games industry um, to any kind of organizing efforts, including unionization, is the fact that so much of it depends on contract labor. And mm, yeah. any effort that does not figure out how to accommodate for that, or at least attempt to accommodate that, is going to be ultimately unsuccessful. And it is not a problem I know how to solve. Um, mm-hmm. But we wanted to be crystal clear in our demands that we recognize that those folks deserve to have the same rights as anyone else um, when it comes to choosing the method by which you confront your abuser. Right. Mm, Um, And I don't know if it will be addressed. I don't know if it is even possible to address, but um, I will not be part of any kind of effort in the industry. If we do not address the part of contractors in it, because they are so fucking integral to how games are made and how live service games are run that I yeah. think that it is a massive oversight if you don't include them. That's wonderful. I think that's, I mean, to me hearing something like that, you know, and, and this is like, this is not meant to uh, second guess the, the emotion, but like hearing something like that, hearing a response that, that it says like, listen, like, we, we care about these people and we care about what they do and we, we include them because we include them and like we value them. Like hearing that makes me, it, it, it validates the emotion in a way that makes me like very excited to see what happens at Riot. Like it feels, I, I believe in that camaraderie even more, like hearing you talk about it that way. And it's, it's really, really cool to see. Yeah, that's my personal soapbox, by the way. So <laughs> like I'm the one who fucking wrote that in, I think. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> Not that I, anyone disagreed. I, <laughs> I know, I know where you came from. I know, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, it's, I think, I think wherever you see it on the ground, like if you have to be, if you're put into the role of, of, um, I don't know, like if you're, if you're put into the role of contractor and it's like, you feel like your, your perspective or your contributions are not valued or are valued as less than, um, if you're ever forced to be in that position, it's, uh, it's opening. And I, I can't imagine anyone in that position would ever not want to include. Yeah. And in, and in our documentation, um, so basically Riot came out and said, hey, we're not going to retaliate against anyone who participates in the walkout in any way. I saw um, that. Yeah. And in our documentation, we were like, hey, listen, we know Riot said that. And um, we would love to trust them on that. But just so you know, contractors are not legally protected for a walkout. <laughs> oh, uh, Wow full-time employees. So we, we have, so riot, the, the cultural, the great cultural divide is between red badges and blue badges, um, which is literally the color of your ID badge. So red badges are full rioters and blue badges are contractors. And we said, listen, red badges, totally protected. Um, they cannot legally retaliate against you. Blue badges make your own decision. 
but you do wow. not have the same legal protection. Um, so even legally, uh, they do not have the same kinds of protections that full-time employees wow. do. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yep. What a terrible thing. Yeah. Do you No, actually I don't want to ask that question, but, um, <laughs> wait, 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 ask that question. Oh, and you're not going to want to answer it. Yeah, um, but you can, you can put me not answering and sounding really shady. It'll be fun. Okay, great. That's the character good. development. Um, <laughs> Is she, is she evil? Um, do you, uh, do you think, do you think, uh, do you think riot will follow through on that with the contractors? Do you think that people will not be losing their jobs or are you, are you worried that that is going to, that they're going to, they're going to fall back on that? I think that if they punished those people in any way, that would be a very funny decision to make. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I would, would be it would very interested to find out about it in Kotaku. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for all your for all your news about Riot, uh, just Taku dot com slash Riot. I think they have like a, a vertical now. Uh, no, yeah, no. I mean, it would it would be it would be strange, right? Like it would yeah. be truly, truly weird. And in some ways, to me, it would seem to reflect that strange. Um, <laughs> seemed to reflect that strange uh, tonal blindness where they were just like, you guys really care about this forced arbitration thing? Weird. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that made me, that made me like, Oh no, I hope, I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, I think, I think that I would agree with you. It would be extremely odd. Um, yeah. A, a, a truly baffling strategic decision. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, are you are you happier now um, that you are affiliated with Riot after after this emotional and and sort of like almost spiritual engagement with with uh, I don't know everything everything from um, solidarity to um, you know a, a sense of a sense of belonging uh, do, are you are you proud to be part of of riot uh now more even maybe even more so than before the walkout so um when we were planning for yesterday uh i could not decide whether or not i would walk up there and say hey i'm one of the organizers um okay. i w originally i said no absolutely not and then mm -hmm. i was like fuck that i'm gonna do it um and then i did i did a sort of um, I did a sort of back and forth between that for the entire weekend. And then I decided on Monday morning. Um, it's a big decision. It is. And um, someone gave me a pep talk and I'm not sure if I can say who, but someone gave me a pep talk and was like, listen, let me tell you about standing up there. It's the right fucking thing to do because guess mm. what? You're fucking right. Like this shit sucks. And as many people as can stand up there and openly say that it sucks, the better. And even if, even if shit goes bad, even if you get retaliated against, you will never regret standing up and doing the right thing. You will regret if you don't do that. And mm. let me, since we're talking about feelings, let me tell you how I'm feeling. <laughs> I am fucking terrified. I am so scared. I am so scared that I will go into work and get a meeting put on my calendar 
um, mm. that says, hey, thanks, but we're going to have to let you go. I am so scared that I am going to walk in a meeting with someone and they are just going to give me a look of disgust because they disagree with what I did. I am so mm. scared that I will never be promoted again that if I decide to leave Riot, my employer will Google me and find <laughs> lots of news articles, <laughs> as we mentioned. I am so fucking scared. Um, yeah. But, but, um, I feel so much better than um, when I was doing weird espionage spy work under the radar. I feel mm. so much fucking better after looking into that crowd and seeing all of the faces that I thought would be there, but just like I the, like them showing up made me feel so fucking supported and seeing people who I didn't expect to see there just crying, listening to these yeah. stories. And um, I, I don't know, man, like I, I don't know how I feel about riot, the company, but I love riot, the people, I do. And yeah. um I I meant what I wrote and said to them. And um I just um this whole thing has made me feel so much closer to so many people. And in the course of working to make people feel less isolated, I accidentally made myself feel much less isolated. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh. is good because I feel very isolated at all times. And but um, a little less though now. Yeah, I feel I don't know how I feel about being at Riot, but I feel really fucking good about the people around me. Um, and mm. I haven't felt that way in a while. So that's yeah. really great. That's but awesome. I am fucking terrified. So if anyone wants to have a job lined up for me in case my ass gets canned, who's listening to this, please let me know. <laughs> oh boy, I think you may have the wrong audience, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really rooting for you to find. To find the one person in the no cartridge audience who has jobs lined up. Uh, that would be that would be cool. And let me know who they are. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, Jocelyn, um, this was really uh, just an amazing, uh, an amazing talk. I, I, I am, I am very, very. I don't know. Like, I, I could say that I'm impressed with you, and it just feels it feels extremely condescending. Uh, that's not how I mean it. I, I think it's incredibly cool what you're doing i think it's incredibly i think you're being incredibly brave and the way that you describe it is um you know evocative and helpful and uh inspiring so um thank you for coming on my show and doing that i i, I appreciate it and uh i think everyone else will too um it's you know and uh absolute solidarity in what you're doing and i hope um i hope they're listening they, they ought to be at this point yeah and um and 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 the last thing is that um you know uh, this is I, th I hope really obvious but um w one of the things that blew that blew me away personally was um going on the fucking hashtag hashtag riot walkout um and but i i saw messages of support from people from arena net from blizzard from respawn um, from the folks who make the dragon prints, um, from the fucking mountain goats. Uh, wow. I saw, <laughs> I saw messages of support from so many people. And if what, if this fucking flops, if forced arbitration doesn't change at riot, if nothing happens, um, I hope that this can like 
help people in games who aren't just at Riot have these conversations and feel less isolated um, because at your company, you have a community. It might be invisible to you, but it exists. And Mm -hmm. in the gaming industry at large, you have a community. It might be invisible to you, um, but it does exist. And um, it, I, I think it. we just all need to work together to feel like we can control the narrative, like we can decide our futures, and we can make this industry into what we all want it to be. And I just want people to remember that they aren't alone. Um, yeah. And if you want me to give our organizer email address uh, at the end of the podcast, I will. I would love it. People love can reach to out that. to me. Yeah, people can reach Great. out to yeah. us. That's lovely. Yeah, no. And I, 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 wow. I, I, yeah, I'm, I think that's right. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that you've made me think about is the, the importance of sort of like, um, just, you know, old fashioned, good old fashioned community in, um, in, in this like completely isolating and terrifying time we live in. Yeah. I Um, love, I love to be ironic detached on twitter and talk about how i want to die all know how you felt too there and yep we all <laughs> do um but this last uh lifetime has taught me the value of sincerity again i know that david foster wallace isn't in style but like um you can like sincerely care about each other and ask people how they're doing and listen to them for five minutes and make an enormous impact in their life and you can allow mm-hmm. people to do that to you too and like feelings can be badass like <laughs> caring yeah. about people can be fucking dope so like maybe <laughs> take five minutes and say to someone like hey tell me how you've been doing lately not like hey how are you and then keep walking like actually ask someone how they are and like yeah. you know like don't wrap it in lol i want to die Right. Like just actually, (laughs) actually let yourself connect with someone and drop the fucking armor for a minute because it's scary, but it is the only way that we can make shit like this happen. So Mm. that's my, that's my pitch against irony. I'm also probably the wrong audience, by the way. (laughs) No, no, no. Actually you would be surprised at how sincere my audience is. I think I, I think I have one of the most, uh, one of those care audiences around and uh, nice. I'm, I'm happy about that more and nice. more. I am, I am thrilled to have an extremely uh, sincere and earnest audience. It makes me this. I, I think that this is um, the least online I have ever sounded while talking to you, by the way. I know it is. No, I mean, <laughs> we've, 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 I think, I think you've sounded less, at least in public. Um, <laughs> Cause we've had DMS where you've sounded less online. I think. Yeah. True. True. I think, yeah, I think you've, you've, you've sounded like, you know, uh, concerned about the same things as, as anyone in the world. And I think we've both sort of like been less online. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, for sure. I think, I think for sure it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of our, we're, we're both too online probably. Um, Hooray. yeah, well, we're, we're working on it, obviously. Um, well, uh, I, I'm jealous of you for being able to constantly one up the excellent endings that you give me here. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, they're, they're, I'm, I'm honestly jealous. It's like, it's so good. Um, but, uh, but 
I, I don't I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, I, I am super, super appreciative of you coming on. And, and just really, you know, in the spirit of earnestness, it's just lovely to be able to talk to you again. It's, uh, you know, I know you're really busy, so we don't get to talk as much as we used to, but it is it is always really nice to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. Sometime we should do it when we're not being recorded. Whoa. That's a, <laughs> you know what? You're right. I, I'm going to I'm going to not be recorded. Uh <laughs> It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna find a minute in my life where I'm not recorded. I gotta tell you, same. Like, it is, it is really really refreshing not to be recorded. Sometimes I went on not the radio content. earlier today. The radio. <sighs> That's scary. Did you have to go into? Did you call in or did you have to go to the studio? Uh, they called me. Oh well, I guess that's that's actually worse. Yeah. Waiting by your phone and then like it rings and you pick it up and it's the radio. Yeah, it was the radio. Ooh. Yeah, boy. Oh, that boy. was the people who asked me if uh, if uh, I was afraid Gamergate would come after me, and I was like, "Listen, <laughs> I've been keeping an eye on it, and uh, the only thing I've seen Gamergate say about me so far is that my job title sounds fake and made up. So if that's the worst it gets, I'll take it." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, man, they really ran out of ammo. Yeah, please, seriously. Please, please do not prove me wrong. I please, please do not take this as a challenge. Uh, anyone who is <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I do not want to be come after. I am. I am. Uh, I, yeah, I apologize. You might want to cut that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't. I'm pretty sure Gamergate hasn't gotten this far in the podcast. Um, I don't. I don't have anyone transcribing these quite yet. But um, so I, I want to know. Uh, obviously, um, you know the the other thing is uh, you can follow uh, Joss at uh, Gildu Chat on um, on Twitter. Um, and what is, uh, you said you, you'd give the email address if people wanted to, to email in, is that something you yeah. want to do? So if you want to email the riot organizing crew, um, we are at riot dash walkout at protonmail.com and it's encrypted. So none of your shit will get public. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, what should, what should people email if they, if they're interested in emailing, like who should, who should be emailing you? I would absolutely love it if anyone from other game companies wants to email us in solidarity or to start a conversation. Um, that is the, I would love to hear from those folks, especially. Um, I also hear pretty often on Twitter from people who don't work in the games industry and want to, um, but have like hesitation or fear or just want to talk to someone. Um, if you feel that way, please feel free to DM me on Twitter. My Twitter, my Twitter is open. Um, and so we can That's always talk through brave. that stuff. <laughs> I have only been sent one nasty picture. Really? Yeah. That's and it was good. by an extremely online type person. And it was the picture of the pig. Oh, the, the pig poop balls thing. Yeah. I'm not going to say that out loud. I, I, I said it for you. Yeah. Thank I you. you didn't thank you for to. being You're an welcome. ally. <laughs> thank you for taking the burden of saying that phrase out loud from women we appreciate it that's all i ask that's all i ask <laughs> um uh well no i and I, I i recommend talking i i think joss is one of the the best interlocutors i've had online ever so How horrible um well <laughs> <laughs> i thought this whole thing was anti-irony <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I made it an hour, dude. Come on. You did, that's pretty good. I gotta say, that's I'm absolute in congratulations. Um, absolute well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for. <laughs> you need some sleep. 
Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> always happy to soon. be here. <laughs> let's talk about let's let's have you on more sooner than last time. And this next time you can talk about um, the most earnest video games you played. We can we can follow up. I actually would love to talk about earnest. Oh, I'll cry on the podcast. I cried a little bit this time, but I'll yeah, cry I was a lot. Say, you sort of you sort of cried a little bit this time. Yeah, so. I'll cry more. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's record. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. I. I'm in. I'm, we don't have enough people crying on the podcast. I want more people to cry on the podcast. Well, maybe now that I told them Barbara it's okay Walters to feel questions. things, uh, they'll come cry but on the podcast. A lot of people have messaged me and said they were waiting for your blessing. God, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> all your daughters who have been, all your sons who have been asking, can I get married to this person? I just need your blessing. I'm going to need a nickel. <laughs> All right, this is, this has gotten too far. Um, thanks for coming on again, Jazz. Please come on again soon. I would oh. love I would love it for it not to be as long next time. Tell them not if they the follow queen. me on Twitter that they can see pictures of a really cool lizard. Everyone, if you follow Jocelyn on Twitter, you can see pictures of a really cool lizard. And I have to say, the lizard is very cool. She's not just saying that. <laughs> Thank I you. I love your lizard. I love that you bought a lizard and it's become so great. Um. All of all of your pet picks are, are are legendary and have a status in my heart. Um, he's why um, I get yes, up in the morning. He's, he's such a sweetie. What's his name? Max. Yes, I wanted you to say. It. <laughs> <laughs> I I do follow and fave those pictures, so I know Max. But he is he is an absolute darling. All right. Well, good luck with everything. Uh, keep a surprise. Let us know if anything great happens. We're rooting for you. All that good stuff and. Um, Get some sleep. You earned it. Someday. (laughs) (laughs) It's very close to all sleep when I'm dead, which is trouble. But uh, (laughs) I'm hoping I'm hoping it comes sooner than that. Um, Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.